0: Well, good morning, church. Come on, good morning, church. Glad you are here this morning, and uh, what a great way to start the year by going more than anything else, we want to live a life that magnifies the Lord. If that's what you want to do this year, say amen. Well, if you're new here the first time here or you're kind of new to Cross Life Feast, my name is Doug. I'm the East Campus pastor, and we're glad that you're here today. And today we're going to kind of begin a whole new series. You know, anytime you come into the new year, there's different kinds of feelings that come into the new year. For some, there's a high level of excitement about the future. Like people come into the new year, and they're like jacked up. They're pumped up thinking, what will this year hold for us? And they're super excited. And some of you say, well, that's definitely not me. Well, that's for some people, all right? And then there's some people that come to a new year, and really it's more of just, kind of, of just kind of anticipation of the pain that this year might bring that last year brought with it, right? Because some of us, if we would think back about 2021, we've all gone through some stuff, right? We've all had some things happen. And for some people, when they approach a new year, it's not with a great deal of excitement and enjoyment about the future. It's kind of this dread for what pain is going to happen this year like it happened last year. Now, when you come to a new year, here's what I know about most of us. Most of us will do two things when we come to the new year. One thing is we'll spend time reflecting. I think everybody, when you enter into a new year, we begin to reflect. Now, the reason I know that is because, do you know what the number one resolution that people make every year is? Okay, you skinny people don't know this, but it is, it's to lose weight, right? You skinny people, like, you're off the road. Right. But the right, that is the number one thing out there. And so there's something about reflection of going, okay, last year, you know, I ate way too many Twinkies this year, maybe a few less Twinkies, right? And so we reflect. I don't know about you, but, but I have spent some time reflecting over 2021 personally, in my family. like In 2021, I had an incredible year. In 2021, uh, I had, a, well, actually, at the very end of 2020, I had a brand new grand, grandbaby boy that was born, and so 2021 was excitement about being around little Henry. In fact, Sonia's there two weeks, and, and uh, she's only been there one day, and she's already posted 96 pictures, and so <laughs> it's incredible, uh, and we love it, and we Facetime three times, and she's only been there a day, so it's been great. But, you know, for, I reflected back on just the excitement of my own life, and family going, you know, I I have a grandbaby now. And then uh, in July, uh, my middle son, Daniel, got married. I have a new daughter-in-law who I love and adore. And and there's so many things personally. And the last year, I'm like, you know, I know there's some things in 2021 that that happened that we weren't fond of, but I look back and reflect going, I was a blessed man in 2021. Maybe you can say that. But I also look back as a church and begin to reflect on where have we been uh, in a year, and I was telling the group this morning as we prayed for those that set up and tear down, we pray about eight forty-five for small groups. And I said, many of us have forgotten this, but a year ago today, we were finally were able to come back into the schools in September of twenty twenty. But they had this one mandate. The first mandate was no more than fifty people in the building at one time. And so in January of last year, we had to have two services and you could have no more than 50 people in this building at one time. And we would all say, if you remember that season, we all would say we're thankful to have a place, but we absolutely hated not being together. And it was tough. And also, as I look back a year ago, guess what we did? Like in 2020, we did something that was unheard of at the end of the pandemic. We decided as a church and voted as a church that, hey, we think we need to buy 40 acres of land and have us a home. I mean, no, listen, nobody's doing that. We were just crazy enough to trust God, weren't we? And in 2021, at the very beginning of the year, we began that journey and we were doing due diligence and we weren't sure what it was going to look like. And so last year I'm just reflecting over how God has what He's done in our church, and, and finally they lifted restrictions and we were able to gather again. And some people were still cautious about COVID. Some people were like, hey, I'm just glad, you know, brush it off, throw some dirt on it, let's move on. I mean, we had everywhere in between there, and, and we started to see growth again in our church. And then we saw about a couple of weeks ago, finally the zoning on the land has changed from a, a residential to a church zoning. and now all we're waiting to do in the next couple weeks is close on a property. And so I'm like, okay, as I look at the last year, here's what I think about as I reflect. I think about how awesome and faithful our God is. Can you think about that? Do you agree with that this morning? And so as I reflect back and I think about it as a church, all I can see is God's hand over and over and over again. How we, through his power and his strength, did things that nobody else was doing. And in the end, we've seen God do some crazy things in our presence. So most of us spend time reflecting. Some of us even will spend time evaluating, right? We spend the time evaluating where are we at? Where am I at in my relationships? Where am I at socially? Where am I at uh, physically? Where am I at mentally, emotionally? And where am I at spiritually? We begin time to evaluate where we are at. And, and if you think about it, and I, I, I don't want to discourage you, but I want to encourage you that evaluation is, is something that's really important for us. In fact, you know this and I know this, that evaluation is a critical tool that we all have. Why do you think they gave out report cards when we went to school, right? What was the purpose of a report card? Well, to write out how bad your kids were doing in school. No, no, no. The, the point of the report card was to evaluate, here's where you, we want them to be, and here's where what? We're at. And with me, when I was in school, there was a large discrepancy between where I needed to be and where I was at, and how do we bridge that gap? And so we spent time evaluating. And so today, we're going to start a brand new series called 10. Because when you think about evaluating, one thing I think about is like when you go to all of these restaurants and you get done like at Chili's or uh, Olive Garden, they have these little kiosks on the table because they want you to pay there. What's the one thing when you're paying, they always ask you to do? Take a survey, right? They want you to take a survey. How many of you take those surveys? Okay, I don't either. So you're like, I don't take them either. I'm just like, pass, you know, I'll just skip this. But here's, why do they want the survey? Because they want to evaluate the quality of the service, the quality of the food, the quality of the experience that you had. They take those things, and while we find them annoying, they're extremely beneficial. And so we're going to begin a new series called 10, and I'm going to ask you to do something that you probably never have done before over the next five weeks. I'm going to ask you to look at different areas of your life spiritually and begin to evaluate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10. One being big time struggle, 10 being I'm not perfect, but I'm so on the right path and growing every day. And so we're going to look at some areas in our life and go, where do we find ourselves on a scale of one to 10? Where do I find myself? And so today, the beginning place, the area spiritually, I want you to ask that question is this, where are you at in your walk with Jesus? Scale one to 10. In other words, where are you at in your passion and desire to live for the Lord? Where are you at and you're trusting the Lord and who he is and what he's done? Where are you at when it comes to having this great sense and desire to be guided by the presence of God? Where, where are you at 1 to 10 in your walk with the Lord? Now, for some of you, immediately you go, I know where I'm at, Doug. I'm at 10. Well, praise God. Just, but that doesn't mean you've arrived. Some of you are like, well, you know what? I don't know where I'm at, Doug. I have absolutely no idea. I know where I want to be. Now, let me just tell you something about that real quick that's called good intentions. And good intentions amount to absolutely what? Nothing. Nothing. See, if I want to pay my house payment, but I don't pay my house payment, and I desire to pay my house payment, and I've got the best intention in the world, I put it on my calendar, I've got a phone app alert that says, hey, Doug, it's time to pay your house payment. And I do everything right, but I don't pay my house payment. Do you think I can stand in front of my lender and go, you know what? But I had the best intentions." I really, I mean, the first of every month, I really thought about pain. I really wanted to, but at the end of the day, I didn't. Do you think they're going to go, hey, it's all right. Don't worry about it. Is that what they're going to say? They're going to say, hey, can I have the, no, can, not can I, but give me the keys to your house and go live somewhere else, right? And so for some of us, the reason this, this whole thing is important is because we need to move beyond good intention to real practice. We need to move beyond good intention to really asking the question, where do I find myself in my walk with Jesus 1 to 10? Now, some of you go, well, I don't know if this is a beneficial uh, exercise for me. Well, it is. Let me tell you why. Because evaluation is essential for growth. To know where you're at and where you need to be is essential if you're ever going to get there. And because if not, you're just shooting. I mean, well, I mean, if you, if you don't know where you're at and where you need to be, you're just shooting into the dark, right? You have, you have no direction. You have no purpose. You're just aimlessly wandering around. And it's so important for us to realize that evaluation, self-evaluation of our lives spiritually is crucial for our growth. If we refuse to evaluate, listen, we will refuse to grow in a journey with Christ. Now, for those of you in the room they go, you know what, Doug? I understand you want me to evaluate where I'm at in my walk with Jesus 1 to 10. I have no idea. And here's the next question. How do I figure that out? Well, let me tell you. There's, today, there's four questions I think we need to ask ourselves. And these four questions rise up out of Psalms 27. Psalms 27. So if you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to Psalms 27. And I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of reading God's Word. And as we read Psalms 27, we're going to see the words and the heartbeat of King David. And out of this, we're going to see four questions that we can ask ourselves, help evaluate where we're at in our walk with Jesus. And this is what the word of the Lord says out of the mouth of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh by adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. And now my head shall not be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy, and I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Verse 7. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek? Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you uh, who have been my help, cast me not off, forsake me not. O God of my salvation, verse 10. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up with the will of my adversaries for false witnesses have risen against me and they breathe out violence. I believe Say that with me. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Then he says this in closing. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Let's pray. God, I love you. And I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for your word. And God, I know that for many of us, as we begin a new year and a new season, for some there's excitement, for some there's dread. But I pray that as believers that we would find a place today that we would truly, honestly look at our own lives, that we would take a look at our spiritual journey over the next five weeks, and we would ask some real questions about where we're at. And that we would look at where we're at and where you want us to be and make the appropriate changes. And so, God, if we don't know where we're at in our walk with you, I believe David lays out some beautiful things for us this morning. So, Lord, would you be with us? Would you speak through me? And would we respond to your word? For it's in your precious son's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, there are four questions I think we see in the passage, four things that for me rise up as questions that we've got to ask ourselves if we're going to evaluate where are we at in our walk with Christ. And here's the first one. Do I have confidence In the Lord. Now, before you answer it, your first answer is gonna be what? Sure, I have confidence in the Lord, but here's what I'm asking: Do you have total trust in the Lord? Do you totally trust that He's on the throne, that He's in control, that He has a plan, and He has a purpose? You totally trust Him when things go awry. Well, look what David said in that. Look at David verse one through three. Look what David said: The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. Oftentimes in David's his, his writings, oftentimes we see the laments of David, how he, he's grieving. Oftentimes we will see the uh, repentance of David. Psalms 51, as he repents for all that he's done wrong. But here in Psalms 27, we see David declare his confidence, not in himself, but his confidence in the Lord. And I think it's important for us to ask the question, do we have this same kind of confidence in the Lord? Now look what uh, David said there. First of all, he says, he says, the Lord is my provider, verse 1. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation, meaning the Lord is my provider. He calls him light and salvation, Right? Now, what does light mean? Light, what does light do? First of all, light exposes the darkness, right? Are you with me? If you're with me this morning, say amen. amen. Okay, don't be the first year your letdown. We're, I mean, light exposes the darkness. Light also reveals the flaws. And not only does it light expose and it reveals, light also directs our path. If you, have you ever tried to go to the bathroom and pitch black dark? How well did that go for you? Maybe you broke a toe, broke a nose, and you were mad by the time you got I mean, Yeah, because you need light to what? To direct you. And he says, listen, the Lord is my light. At moments in my life when I need my sin exposed, guess what? He was faithful to do that. And did David know that one? Sure he did. At the moment in my life, when I needed uh, him to reveal some things to me, the right path, the right direction, the right way to go, did God do that? Yeah. Do you remember when David was in the cave with Saul and could have slayed Saul and become king because he knew that he was anointed king, but David said, it's not my time. I know God is going to prepare, and when the time is right, God's going to bring me into it. And so he, God revealed some things to him. Do you think there's a moment when David's life where he was like going through some stuff and he needed God's light to direct him as far as which direction he ought to go in his life sure he did and so david says that the lord is my provider when i needed my sin exposed he did it when i need him to reveal himself and what i'm supposed to do he did it when i need him to direct my paths and my steps and the direction of my life he did it the lord is my provider because he's my light he said also he's my salvation that word in the hebrew just means he's my rescuer can you ever think of a moment in david's life when he needed to be rescued The question should be, how many times can you think that he needed to be rescued? Like, over, and and sometimes it was rescued from himself, right? All the time David needed that. And so right out of the gate, David declares his confidence in the Lord by saying, he's my provider, he's my light, and he's my salvation. He reveals what needs to be revealed, he exposes what needs to be exposed, and he is my rescuer, my confidence is in the Lord, he's my provider. And he also said, no, he's my provider, but the Lord is my protector. Look at the rest of verse 1. He said, whom shall I fear? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now, just real quick. David, King David, was a man's man, right? At least in my head he was, right? I don't, I don't picture a scrawny little dude anymore. This guy is king of Israel. This guy slayed Goliath and chopped his head off. And if I was there, I'm sure he held it up and screamed really loud. But I mean, this guy was like a man's hand kind of thing. This guy slayed bears and lions. I mean, this guy, if you want anybody on your team, if you're going to go to war, you want David on your team, right? And here's a guy who's strong, a guy who's fearless, but at the same token comes and says, the Lord is my protector because while I may be strong, while I may be fearless, my strength is not for me. My strength is in the Lord. Listen, David understood that he didn't have to have it all together because God did, that he didn't have to figure out things on his own, that he didn't have to muster up his own strength to make it through whatever comes his way. He knew that the Lord was his protector, and then he ends it with this, with whom shall I be afraid? In other words, if God is on my side and God has got my back, do I have to f- be afraid of anything? And the answer is what? No. So David declares this confidence to the Lord, saying, he is my provider, he is my protector, and then he tells us that the Lord is his defender. Look at verse 2. When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. He's like, listen, when people come against me, God's got my back. God stands in for me. God takes my place. God fights for me. Now, this is not just something that David could declare. David has seen this in his life. In fact, when David pleads his confidence in the Lord, that the Lord is his defender, listen, that comment, that phrase there that he's talking about, this idea is something that has been battle-tested. God has proven even when David was in battle that he had his back, that he was there for him. He understood that everything he felt about God, his confidence in the Lord was driven because David had seen his enemies fall. David had seen moments in his life, and his ministry, and his kingship, when what should have happened didn't happen because God was his defender. And hear me on this, church. Rile of the gate, the question we got to ask is, do I have that kind of confidence in the Lord? Here's King David. And you think about it. This guy had power, wealth, and influence. And all I see when I read Psalms 27 is vulnerability. See, most of us think if we had power, wealth, and great deal of influence, we don't need God, right? We don't need God. Why? Because we've got power. We don't need God because we have influence. We don't need God because we've got power. But here's a guy who is powerful, wealthy, and an influencer in the day, and yet we see him say, my confidence is not in me. It's not in my ability. It's not in my strength. My confidence is in the Lord. That's why in verse 3 he says it this way. Though an army camp against me, my heart shall not fear though war rises against me yet I will be what confident Now just a quick question do we have that kind of confidence in the Lord that David had that you can look back through the corridors of your life and you can say at every turn at every juncture God has been my provider When I needed discipline he provided that When I needed rescuing he provided that. When I needed some things reworked in my life and exposed and him to reveal himself to me and direct my paths, he did that. Can you look back and see how God had provided for you, how God has protected you and how God in his great, great, awesome power, how God has defended you. He's been with you. He's for you. He's not against you. Can you look back through the corridors of your life and see all that God has done for you like David could? And if so, What declaration should come out of our mouths? One of our skepticism of God, how he works? One that embraces our own abilities? Or one that screams from the mountaintops, our confidence comes from the Lord and in the Lord? Here's what I believe. If we have this kind of confidence, we will totally trust the Lord. if we have this kind of confidence, we will totally depend on the Lord. So I'm gonna ask you this morning, Would you rate your confidence in the Lord 1 to 10? Where's it at? Is it 1, big time struggle? Or is it a 10? I haven't arrived, but man, I'm growing in this area. Where is our confidence? Do we have confidence in the Lord? First question. Here's the second question I want you to write down. It says, do I desire to be near the Lord? I love this passage, verse 4. He says, one thing have I asked of the Lord that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to acquire in his temple. See, if you read that, here's what you're reading. David had a desire to be near the Lord. Do we have that desire? Do we have a real desire to be near the Lord? Well, some of us would go, well, pastor, I do have a desire to be near the Lord. And so I would follow that up with, okay, are you reading your word? Are you reading God's word to you? The very breath of life, are you reading it? Are you spending time praying and meditating, asking God to speak to you? Well, no, but I have a desire. Listen, our desires should be reflected in our activities. And if our activities don't reflect our desires, we don't have the desires we thought we had. And I'm just asking this morning, do we have a desire to be near the Lord? David did. David said, there's one thing I've asked of the Lord. In other words, there's one thing I want more than anything else. There's one thing that's the deep within my desire that I want over everything else. And there's one thing that I'm going to pursue over everything else. And here it is, that I can dwell in the house of the Lord. Here's what David's saying. If there's one desire I have more than anything else, it's to be near God. Now, the house of the Lord was a reference to either a local, the tent of meetings at that point, later when Solomon builds a temple, it would have been a reference to the temple. But in the tent of meetings, or in the temple, or in the synagogues, wherever the Ark of the Covenant was represented the presence of God. And here's what David said, the greatest desire of my heart is just to spend all of my days in the presence of the Lord. I want to be so near God that every day I'm surrounded by his presence. I want to be so near God that every day I'm around him. See, what I find fascinating is, here's a man, a flawed man, a great man, a man after God's own heart, but a guy who had some issues, and yet his greatest desire was, I want to be near the Lord. It wasn't, hey, I want to conquer more land. It wasn't, hey, I want to build a shrine for myself because I'm the best king that Israel's ever going to have. It wasn't about him. His greatest desire was, I want to be near the Lord. I want to be in his presence. And yet, can I just be honest, where I struggle with that? I don't have to cry that out because, because I'm a follower of Christ. I have the Holy Spirit in me. I have the presence of God with me all the time. And so do you. But how often do we want to draw nearer to him? You should pick up on what David said. Listen, he says something beautiful about drawing near to God. He said, I just want to gaze upon the beauty Of the Lord. Do you remember men when you were smitten? That's a good word. We should bring it back. When you were smitten with your wife? Any no man remembers that? That was not rhetorical. Okay, great. Some marriage counseling. I won't have to do. All right, so so yeah, so I mean you remember that, right? Do you remember the moments when she didn't see you and you saw her from a distance and how you just gazed at the beauty? of the one that you felt like God was bringing into your life? Do you remember that moment? And a correct answer right now would be yes. I mean, if you have to think about it, that's a problem. But yes, right, you remember that. I can remember that. I can remember the first time Sonia and I, we were... We, we met, and then uh, we it was awesome. She was a summer missionary, and and they told them when they went to the mission field, hey, you didn't come to find a mate or date. You came to do mission work, and so I get, tried to give her my number the first day she was on the mission field, because that's when I met her, and she wouldn't take my number. I was kind of offended by that, but like 12 weeks later, uh, she, we kind of reconnected, and we started dating, and, and I remember the first time I was in Popper Bluff, Missouri, and she was in, in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and we met in Paducah, Kentucky, because that was a central point, and we met there, and man, when she got of the car. I mean, she had this long, flowing, curly hair, and I, all I saw was just beauty. All I saw was beauty. And just to stare at her beauty would just do my heart well. See, what David is talking about is way more beautiful than that. He's like, I want to be so near the Lord that, man, I'm just captured by his beauty. I'm captured by the nature and the character of my God, that I am blown away with the beauty of who he is and what he's done. David says, my greatest desire is to be near the Lord. Not just so I can say I'm near the Lord, because I want to be near him so I can just stare. Stare, wonder, ponder, be in awe of the beauty of my Lord. And he says, only do I don't want to gaze at his beauty. Look what else he says. He says, I want to inquire in his temple. In other words, I want to know more. I don't know enough. I want to know more who you are, Lord. I want to know more about your ways. I want to live for you. I want to know and gaze in your beauty. I want to inquire of you. I want to know more about what it means to live for you and be the man that you called me to be. See, David had a desire just to be near the Lord. What about us? Do we have a desire? Do we have a deep desire within us to be near the Lord? See, David goes on to tell us the blessings of being near God. Look at verse five. He says, for this, for he will hide me in the shelter in the day of trouble, for he will conceal me under the cover in his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock, and now my head shall not be lifted above the enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifice with shouts of joy, and I will sing and make melody to the Lord. In other words, when I draw near to the Lord, and I gaze at his beauty, and I learn more, listen, when troubles come, guess what? He's right there with me. And the blessings of of really being near the Lord is is that he's going to uh, sustain me. He's going to keep me safe because I love him. And then you you pick up what he said there at the end. And as a reflection of my gratitude for all that I've seen, all that I've experienced, and all I've learned, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to shout. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sing praises to the Lord. I love that he says, I'm going to shout and I'm going to sing. And we all know what that looks like, right? If you've ever watched a college football game, people shout all the time, don't they? Sometimes, like me yesterday, I was shouting at the television for the stupidness of my t- team Notre Dame, and so we shout, but we know what shouting and victory looks like, right? When your team does well and they score, we know what shouting looks like. Some of you are crazy enough that when your team wins, you even sing the alma mater because you remember the alma mater. Listen, if we're going to sing and shout about something that matters as little as football, how much should we sing and shout about the goodness of our God? He says, listen, I so want to be near you that I can just catch a glimpse of the beauty of who you are. I so want to be near you so I can just inquire more about who you are and what you're about. And as a result of what I learned, nobody's going to shut this mouth. I'm going to shout and I'm going to sing to the Lord. Do we desire to be near the Lord like David desired to be near the Lord? Let me give you a third question you've got to look at. It's this. Do I have a passion to cry out to the Lord? Meaning, do I have a passion To be vulnerable before the Lord, do I have a passion to acknowledge that no matter what I'm going through, I need his help? Look what David did in verse 7 through 10. He says, hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You've said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek? Hide me not from your face. Turn not your servant away in anger. Oh, you have been my help. Cast me not off. Forsake me not. O oh God of my salvation, for my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. David had a passion to cry out to the Lord. Did you hear what he cried out? First of all, he said, hear me. Now, do you think David thought that God didn't hear him? No. But have you ever gone through seasons of your life when you pray, you feel like it goes no further than your mouth or your heart? As a part of you going, God, I hope you're hearing me. God, I hope you're listening to me. God, I am pouring my soul out here. I hope you're listening, and I hope you will answer, right? So David just cries out. This king who's strong, who's mighty, he cries out in a great deal of vulnerability and says, Lord, I just need your help. I need to know, Lord, that you're hearing me, and I need to know that you're going to answer me, Lord. He said, I need you to hear me. And then he says, he cries out, And he says, Lord, I need you to reveal yourself to me. Don't hide yourself from me. Do you think God was in the business of playing spiritual hide-and-seek with David? No. You know why David sometimes didn't see God? It's because all David cared about was himself, right? And here's a moment in David's life. He's like, Lord, please don't hide yourself from me. Please don't do that. And then he says, he cries out and says, Lord, please don't forsake me. Now, had God ever forsaken David? No. No. But have you, can you imagine moments that David have gone through where he might have felt alone in life? Have you gone through this? I mean, we all know that God hears our prayers. Amen? Come on, come on. Do you really believe that God hears your prayers? Say amen. He does. Do you really believe that God not only hears you, but God wants to reveal himself to you, that he's not hiding from you? Do you believe that God is never going to leave you nor forsake you? Well, it's one thing in knowing it, and sometimes we go through seasons where we just don't feel it. And so David cries out, and you notice what he said there at the very end of that verse? He said, but the Lord will take me in. It's almost like David said, I'm crying out to you, Lord, but here's what I know. You're faithful. You hear me. You reveal yourself to me. You don't ever forsake me. He said, listen, even when my mother and father have forsaken me, Lord, he's going to take me in. And so the question is, do we have the passion to cry out to the Lord like David did? David cried out because he knew that he could not do life alone without his heavenly Father. Listen, I know you guys are smart. I know you're talented. I know you're wise. I know all that. But listen, we've got to come to a place in our spiritual journey where we realize we can't do our marriages without God. We can't parent without the Lord. We can't do life, do business, do relationships, do anything without the help of the Lord. We've got to find a place in our heart and our mind where we realize despite our experience, despite our abilities, despite our talents, that what we need more than anything else is the Lord. And that should be reflected in our passion to cry out to the Lord. Being totally vulnerable. Can Can I say something to the men? I know vulnerability is like the worst cuss word in the English language for men, right? But can I just tell you, there's nothing more beautiful than a grown man being vulnerable for the Lord like we see in David. That's why I think you find David being the man after God's own heart. Was David messed up? Yes. Did David think wrongly? Absolutely. Was David deceptive, deceitful, manipulative? Yes. But he also was a vulnerable man. He said, God, I'm broken and I need you. And he had a passion to cry out to the Lord. And if you were going to rate yourself 1 to 10, where would you rate yourself on your passion to cry out to the Lord? Your passion to cry out say, Lord, I need you. Lord, don't forsake me. Lord, you get got to hear me. Lord, reveal yourself. I mean, where would you rank yourself 1 to 10? From big-time struggle to, man, I'm trying. I'm doing it. Do we have a passion to cry out to the Lord? And let me give you one more question to ask yourself, and it's this. Do I long to be guided by the Lord? Look with me in verse 11 through 13. He says some really key phrases here. He says, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witness has risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David longed to be guided by the Lord. Pick up on a couple phrases. First of all, he says, teach me, meaning I haven't arrived. I need to know more teach me. When I first came, you know, when I first came to Cross Life East, and, and, and I, I would hear Don talk in different circles, and, and I knew what he meant. It was kind of funny, because I'm like, I hope everybody else gets the acronym. He's like, we need to be fat people, right? And of course, you know, the first of the year, like, no, 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 we don't need fat. Yeah, yeah, you know, fat fat people, meaning we need to be faithful, available. And what's the last one? Teachable. David was a wise man, educated man, in the sense of knowing how to do war, You might have even looked at David going, man, this guy's arrived. But he says, Lord, teach me. I don't know all the right things to do. I need you to teach me, Lord. He said, I want to be so guided by you, Lord. I want you to teach me. And he says, no, he teach me. He says, lead me. I need your guidance to stable my steps. i listen. This is a king who's, I mean, people, I'm sure people looked at King David going, man, we want you to tell us the vision you have for Israel. We want you to guide us for Israel. I mean, he was probably under a great deal of scrutiny and pressure from all of Israel, how he's going to lead them. And here's a man who makes no bones about it and great vulnerability says, Lord, I need you to teach me, but I need you to lead me. I need you to guide my steps. I need you to make my way stable so that I can magnify your name. And then he says, The last one, verse 12, he says, give me. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries. In other words, I need your continual intervention in my life. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get annoyed at God's interruptions in my life. Anybody else that way? I'm the only sinner in the room? Come on. You get annoyed by that? I do. But can I tell you, I begin to learn in my life that his interruptions are divine moments. And when I say, Lord, teach me, it means I don't know enough. When I say lead me, it means I don't know my direction, I need his help. But when I say give me, then over to the will of my adversaries, what I'm saying is, Lord, I need your divine continual interruption in my life. I need you to interrupt Doug's life and go, pause, let's reroute here. I need that. David longed to be guided by the Lord. And we've got to ask ourselves, do we long to be guided by the Lord? And look what David says. I believe that I should look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In other words, I believe if you teach me. I believe if you lead me, I believe that you continue to interrupt in my life, that I'm going to see your work in my life for all the days of my life. And then he ends with this powerful word, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Now, what's David saying? David's saying, listen, when you cry out, teach me. When you cry out, lead me. When you cry out to give me and intervene in my life, it doesn't just automatically happen. It requires waiting. Any of you, when you were in college, had this amazing thought that you could take four weeks of notes for chemistry, that you've gone to three hours a week for four weeks, so 12 hours of notes, and you could cram it into a 30-minute session of studying, and that you would do well on your test? Anybody thought that way? Yeah. How well did that go? Devin, your parents are here. You might want to speak carefully, right? How well did that go? Yeah, real bad. I I did it my first year in college. I went to my biology class three times, first day, midterm, and finals. It was terrible. Ping pong was a priority for me, and that's when we played ping pong. And so I went, you know, and I I thought I could take all these weeks of data, I could cram into it, and you know what? I was wrong. See, the teach me process, the lead me process, takes time. See, while David had a heart crying out and longed for God to guide him by teaching him, by leading him, by interrupting his life, it took some time. So David says, guess what? Here's a lesson I've learned. Wait on the Lord. Because even though you cry it out, it may not come today. Even though you cry out, it may not come tomorrow. If you cry it out, he will do it, but you've got to wait on the Lord. So I want to ask you, as you look at your life today, how much do you long to be guided by the Lord? On scale of one to ten, how much do you long to be guided by the Lord? You know, as we enter in this new year, some of you, you've made some amazing resolutions. You made some maybe uh, some uh, commitments. I would pray instead of resolutions, you might have greater resolve this year. But as you come into this new year, the question is, where are you at in your walk with Jesus right now? As you enter 2021 and you've walked into one and a half days of 2022, where are you at? evaluate? Where are you at 1 to 10? Where are you at in your confidence in the Lord? Where are you at in your, in your passion to cry out to him? Where are you at in your longing for Him to guide you? Where are you at in your desire to be near the Lord? Where are you at? And if where you're at is not where you want to be, here's the question of the day. What are you going to do about it? New year, new start. Why not start fresh? See, for those of you that look at your life and you go, my confidence in the Lord is not where it should be. Well, guess what? What you needed this morning is make a, have a resolve in your heart. Like, I'm going I'm to trust God with everything. Even when I, I'm concerned, even though I have questions, even though I have doubts, I'm going to choose to trust God. Trusting God is going to be a choice I'm going to make every time this year. For some of you, you might look at your relationship with the Lord, say, so you know what? I've not drawn near to him as much as I ought to, and I want to. Well, listen, here's where that starts. Grab your word. Grab the word of God and start pouring it into your life. Start reading God's word, the very breath of God, who tells you his heart, his desire, and his purpose for our lives. Start getting into the word every day. Every day, get into the word. Maybe for some of you, you look at it and go, you know what? I don't have the passion to cry to the Lord that I should have. Well, listen, stay humble. Make sure you stay humble. And remember this, no matter how good you think you have it, you still desperately need the Lord. And maybe that person says, you know what, Doug, I, I don't quite long for him to guide me as much as I should. Well, listen, we need to stay moldable. We need to realize that his path doesn't always line up with our path, but his path is the right path. His path is a path that leads to blessing. His path is the path that leads to obedience. His path is a path that leads to a greater relationship with him. So which path do you want to go down this year? His path. And so maybe this morning you need to look at those areas of your life and go, where am I at? Skill to one ten, where am I at? And am I okay with being a three? Because some of you, here's what's gonna be sad. A year from now, if I preach the exact same message, some of you will be at exactly the same place you are today. That is a tragedy because God has so much for you, your family, those around you, and this church over the next 12 months that I pray with everything in me that we would choose we want to be a 10 in our walk with Christ but it starts this morning. So right now I'm going to ask you to do this. Everybody stand with me if you would. Everybody stand up. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's stand together. Every head bowed and every eye closed. And we don't do this often, so I don't want anybody looking around. I can't see most of you anyway. But I just want to be some total transparency this morning. And sometimes demonstrating it physically Sometimes liberates us. So we're just going to try it this way. Nobody looking around. If you're here and you say, you know what? I'm struggling with my confidence in the Lord. I know intuitively that he's my provider, my protector, and my defender. But truly trusting God is where I struggle. Would you just slip your hand up? Amen. Oh, my gosh. Amen. Put your hands down. But if you're that person who struggles with trust but says, this year I want to be different, this year, I'm going to choose to trust him. Now, would you put your hands up? Yeah. Put your hands down. If you're this morning, and you say, man, I, I want to draw near to the Lord like David wanted to draw near. I want to gaze at the beauty of the Lord. I want to inquire who he is and what he's about more than anything else. I've not been as close to the Lord as I want to be. But today, I'm making a decision to draw near to him like never before. Would you just slip your hands up? Yeah, I hope so. And for those of you here this morning, so you know what? I'm a pretty prideful person. But I'm committing the next 12 months to being a vulnerable person. And every day crying out to my Lord, knowing he hears me, he's listening, and he's not going to forsake me. Today I'm going to commit to crying out to him passionately. Would you put your hands up as a the Lord? And then last of all, If you long for his guidance in your life and you've not been following it, but today want to see some things turn around for you, would you just put your hand up real quick? Amen. Amen. See, I hope those weren't just hand raises. I hope those were resolves that were taking place this morning. Because if we're all honest, none of us are 10 on all those, maybe not 10 on any of those. We've all got room for improvement. But as you start this year, where are you going to start it at? With your desire, your passion, your longing, your confidence in the Lord? I hope so. So maybe this morning, after I'm done praying, you want to just come and get alone with God. This altar's open. But we're going to sing a song that I think is a song we should start the year off with a song that we should believe and sing and be the declaration as we go into this year. And that's that, Lord, I want you to build my life. You build me up. I want my life to be a reflection of you. I want to be an instrument to lead people to you in 2022. You make that commitment this morning. Let's pray. God, I love you. I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for David. Lord, so many times we see the, 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 the poetry of David. and It's filled with lament and grief and repentance. But today, Lord, this psalm, it's filled with confidence. It's filled with desire. It's filled with passion and longing. And Lord, I pray as we jump into a new year that we as a church would not be satisfied with where we are at. Even if we're on the right track, Lord, that we would desire to be close in our walk with you, Lord. That we would have confidence in you like never before. That we have a desire to be near you like never before. That, Lord, we would have a passion to cry out to you and not let anything hold us back. And that, Lord, we would have a longing, a deep inward longing. To be guided by your hand in our lives. So God, I pray as we start this year off, would we start it off right? Would we kind of stray from just the resolutions that we know we're going to break in about 12 hours? And may we have some real resolve in our heart this morning. Resolve that says, I'm going to live this year for the glory in the name of Christ. God, would you give us that passion and that commitment this morning? We love you, Lord. Lord, in your precious and your holy son's name we pray. Everybody said amen? Amen. Listen, if you need to come to the altar, it's open. If not, would you just let this song minister to you this morning? Would you let this song be your anthem for 2022? Then I'm going to let you build my life. Because guess what? My life is not mine. It's yours. And so my prayers, this song will be an anthem that we will sing all year long as we let Jesus use us to reach a lost and a broken world. So let's sing together.